sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Amen. Now when we go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Amen. Amen. Joshua was the chief mourner at Moses' death. The Bible says the children of Israel mourned for Moses, I think, 30 days. And there was a scriptural time for mourning. But after that, that mourning time has passed. It's time to take God's people over the Jordan. And Joshua is still sitting in the same place. So something that he had been a part of, God now has to come and tell him that Moses, my servant, is dead. He was there. He mourned with the children of Israel. But God has to come and remind you because you are behaving as if Moses is still around. And then he says, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan. Some of us, we are sitting in the same place. We can never become all that God has said that you will become. Even the gifts of God in you, they can't come out because of all the negative things you've gone through. And because of that, God keeps telling you, look, this situation is dead. Moses is dead. Now therefore arise. So, Lady Baby, I don't have the energy to arise. Look. <laughs> it is God who gives us strength. And he said to Joshua, be strong and of good courage that thou mayest take these people to the land that I'm promising them. Amen. Amen. Don't let God now come and tell you certain things are dead. Amen. Some of the grudges you hold, they are dead. And the person you are holding the grudge against, he has moved on. And maybe he has even been called to glory. It's true, but that is not your Bible. Amen. Amen. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23. We do not enter his rest because we don't recognize when we have dead situations. Amen, somebody. Amen. This is Abraham. And um, in verse 8, he's asking for a tomb to be bought so that he can bury Sarah in it. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me. But before then, in verse 4, he says to them, verse 3, And Abraham stood up from before his dead. And spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you. Why? That I may bury my dead out of my sight. Some of us, the dead are still in your sight. And that is why you are constantly rehearsing that chapter. 
And when you constantly rehearse a chapter, you just repeat yourself in a class. And you never go on to be promoted to class six. Abraham says, give me a place to bury my dead out of my sight. Some of you, you have rather built a monument around the dead situations in your life. Some of you, you have rather built an observatory so that you can observe the dead properly and look at the eyes and look at the, hey, is it really dead? Is it really over? Did it really happen? Did it really do this? Did it really come to pass? Did I really go through this? That I may bury my dead, my dead, out of my sight. It's time to push certain things out of your sight. Because seeing affects you. Whether seeing is imagination or seeing us. I mean, we can't have any normal conversation with you without ending on that topic. <laughs> we can't. Because your dead are not out of your sight. In everything that you do, you are so mindful. Hey, this dead situation. Hey, this dead situation. Hey, this dead. How can you enter into his rest? That I may bury the dead out of my sight. One of the key ways we are going to become all that God wants us to become is to find a place, bury the dead out of your sight, and move on. And God will give you grace to move on. Amen. So in order to enter his rest, we have to recognize dead situations. You see, sometimes in a church, and when you are a sofu mommy, People rub you the wrong way and hurt you so much. But the same people, when you see them later, they are also very happy. Hey, <laughs> hey Kukua, where are you going? Then you say, mm, look at her. Hey, why? <laughs> Decide to fly with the eagles and not scratch with the chickens. Decide that you will move in Holy Ghost class. <laughs> Amen. And some situations happen, but they are dead. Amen. Many years ago, a lady I believed was very close to me. Somebody was writing a letter to me, somebody that I used to fast with every Friday to believe God that she would have a child. And she had a child. And then I even had a pet name for the child, a miracle baby. Then I gave her a job. And after that, she fell ill. And then I was saying, you know, you are ill and you are vomiting blood. and all. It's not good for the children. So take time off, but the school will still pay you. After all that, she had to be laid off on health grounds, and she didn't understand. So she wrote me a letter. Your penumbra shadows will chase you. Your this will <laughs> When I read this, I said, ah. And then when I looked at her, I said, no, penumbra shadows. She can't write that English. So somebody must have written for her. You know? So we had... A little meeting because I was going to show the education board that, oh, this is a letter. She had given everybody a copy. And I didn't even know. So when we sat down to discuss it, and then my husband was saying, no, but you can't write such a letter with a board and all that. Then I said, then he said, okay, so the case is over. I said, it's not over. I want to ask her a question. He says, oh, but mommy, we feel, I, said, I just want to know. Who wrote this letter for you? <laughs> then... She's like, ah, what type of question? Then I said, no, please answer. Who wrote this letter? Three times. Then she told me, oh, this lady pastor wrote a letter for me. I'm like, what? I can't believe it. And this lady pastor, my buddy. My buddy. And the one I said, oh, she wrote it for him. My husband said, it's okay, you know, this... The next day, he was going to play golf. And then the lady's husband called me. Oh, even Bishop is here oh, consoling my wife. Where well, me? I've not been consoled. I've been told that it's okay. When I'm saying it today, I'm laughing. But look, it was very painful. And then, eventually, the lady came to my house. Then she knelt down. She was crying. Sister, mommy, I don't know why. I don't know what happened. It was lack of judgment. 
I said, hey, then the lack of judgment is very wild. But anyway, I asked God, this one, unless divine healing, do you understand? Yeah. The Bible says he heals the brokenhearted. If you haven't experienced it, you don't understand. But he genuinely heals the brokenhearted. Today, that sister is still my closest buddy. Because you move beyond dead situations. Amen. And I didn't just say, oh, you are now my... No, I was able to talk to her. So why did you do that? So what she said, hey, even I even removed some of the insults. <laughs> when I was typing it for her, I even removed some. And she often goes with me to go and preach. So she says, when you say that story, then I can't sit down. I said, oh, then stand. Because it is so... Amen. Amen. And then another reason why we don't enter into our rest is because we don't recognize our no longest. Exodus chapter 2. Remember God said, how long? How long? How long? There are certain how longs in your life. Yeah, You should know you are no longer that. You've reached there. Exodus chapter 2. Reading from verse 2. He meant somebody. Amen. Our no longest. Hmm. Help us, Jesus. We need a lot of help. Oh. Hmm. Our help comes from the Lord. Exodus chapter 2. Are we there? Okay. I'm talking a lot. I'm now coming there. <laughs> Verse 2, I believe. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flax by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wait what would be done to him. Moses' mother was working under great duress and a risk. And all boy children were being killed. And she was able to keep Moses for three months. But when she could no longer hide him. So it is true that, you know, certain things you must make an effort and you must exert energy and you must do your part and you must, but it comes to a place where you can no longer do anything sometimes you are married but there are certain chapters you can no longer do anything you see i used to have some i still have them but some two friends in church and they were a bit older and they were married and their husbands hmm, they used to give them big stress. And the two of them, the, you know, because they said, no, Lady Reverend, when we speak to him, he denies it, so they will park behind some hedge. Then when his car is coming, they'll go, ooh, it's like we've caught him, you know? And then they'll say, let me take, take the number, take the number. And when their husbands come, they'll say, hey, you, where did you go? Like, For years. The one day I said to them, are you not tired? Can you be a personal Holy Ghost to be everywhere? Why don't you enter into his rest? How can't you see that you can no longer tame him? Even you yourself, how many years has it taken God to work on you? Now you are going to make yourself somebody's personal Holy Ghost. So they say, in fact, Lady Reverend, what you have said is very true. And they decided to enter into their Shabbat. And to leave it to God. Because they had done all that they knew to do. And then, one of them came to tell me, do you know what my husband says these days? When he comes, he says, won't you ask me where I went? Don't you, don't you want to know where I went? You know? Well, why? These days, you don't ask me. Any so sometimes, your rest is rather your breakthrough. But you don't recognize you're no longer. Yes, God gave Moses to her. Yes, he was a goodly child. Yes, he was a child of promise. But there are certain things only God can do. And there are certain things you can only do for a while. When it comes to a place, you can no longer. 
make a difference. No longer struggle. No longer follow things that will not lead you anywhere. When you recognize that no longer, she just made a basket, dubbed it with pitch, and put it on the river and said, God, I trust you. Take over. He's waiting for you to get to that no longer. When she could no longer hide him. The third reason why we are not able to enter our rest is because of affliction and troubles. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Amen, somebody. After this meeting, recognize you're no longer. Hmm. Verse 5. For when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. We were troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were fears. When we have trouble on every side, when there's fighting without and troubles and fears within, our flesh knows no rest. And that is what rids us or stops us from entering into his rest. Amen. Without we're fightings, within we're fears. The psalmist said, he delivers me from all my fears. It means that sometimes you are a Christian, but you have fears. Amen. And women, our fears, they have to this. Will my child be this? Will he turn out to be this? And now that even my children are growing, I've seen that there's another fight of who would they marry? I didn't know. In-laws, I didn't know. Oh! So now my prayer topics have become longer. <laughs> Amen! So our flesh had no rest. When we go through manifold afflictions and manifold fightings everywhere, by all means, we'll be restless. But the Bible says that he leads us by still waters, not troubled waters. Still. Still. Amen. The Bible didn't say few are the afflictions of I said many. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Not the unbeliever. But it doesn't end there. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Out of them all. But the deliverance is done by the Lord, not by you and your strategies. And not by you and your mastermind. And I say many times, Christians, instead of going to the throne, we go to the phone. And some of us, we have friends that we should not even have. Because that your friend, she's like your Bible, but her advice is always off the word of God. Off. Off. And yet, she's your pastor. She may not be wearing a pastoral gown. She may not be holding a, a, a mic, but she's the main advisor and counselor in your life. Without her fightings, within were fears, so that our flesh had no rest. The Bible says, yes, the afflictions will come, but many, few, however many they are, the Lord. The Lord delivers him out of them all. So when we are going through affliction and we know that God will deliver us, it makes you go through it in a special way. And when you know that he's sovereign and you can't understand a lot of things. But when I look at Joseph's life, it wasn't easy for him. You are put in a pit, then some people are passing, then you are sold to some Midianites, then they also sell you into Egypt, then you end up in Potiphar's house, then things seem to be going okay, then suddenly you are accused wrongly, then before you know you are in jail. What is all that? But how would you meet somebody from the palace if you don't go to jail? The butler and the baker were waiting for you there. They were your connection to Pharaoh 
and to your destiny and to your future. It was an unpleasant affliction, but it was the gateway to God's purpose for your life. And if you didn't interpret their dreams, how would Pharaoh know that you were capable of interpreting his dream? And if he didn't take you to Potiphar's house, how would you have ended up at that particular section of prison? That's why when Joseph's brothers came, he said, you didn't send me here. God sent me before you to preserve posterity. So when you go through the affliction and you have a certain divine understanding, even bitterness goes. You see, I have a, a, a sister in my church. And she had some beloved, and she was crying. I said that, mm -hmm. some years to come, you will give me an offering that he left you. And now there's always, she said, I want to build him a house for leaving me. I want to, I want to, because when he left me, something better came. Amen. So yes, there may be afflictions. There may be fears within. There may be fightings without. But the master plan is with him. Amen, somebody. And then the next reason why we don't enter our rest is we don't cease from our own works. The Bible says, he that has ceased from his own rest, works has entered into the rest of us. But we don't cease. We don't. Especially when we receive a prophecy or a word from God. Hey. That's one, dear. We were there when he brought the word. We have to sort it out so that it will come to pass. Because this God, when you leave things with him, he can sometimes, you know, he can even fall asleep. <laughs> Genesis 25. Genesis 25. He meant somebody. Genesis chapter 25. Read it from 22. Rebecca is pregnant. She goes... She says that the, the children are struggling in my womb. Then being a spiritual woman, she goes to inquire of the Lord. Why is it so? And why am I thus? And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. And two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. And the elder shall serve the younger. Amen. As soon as she received that prophecy, she said, ah, the elder will serve the younger. So when she heard Esau say to the elder, come, so that I bless you, she said, no, 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 no. That was not the prophecy. That was not what God said. He said, two nations are in my womb, and that the elder will serve the younger. So me, Rebecca, I have to make sure what the Lord has said about me, it shall be. I have to make sure that it shall be. What did she do? She said, come here, Jacob. Manipulation, and that one is our gift. The men don't know, but it's our gift. They think they are in charge, but we are in charge. <laughs> Amen. When her days to be delivered, she gave birth and all that. And you know, Esau already sold his birthright for pottage without any push. He just came from the field. He was hungry. And Jacob didn't even say, if that's the case. I mean, he said, I want to eat. Have my birthright in exchange for what you will give me. So what God had said was already unraveling. But for some strange reason, Rebecca felt that she has to sort it out. Genesis 27. <laughs> Genesis 27 verse 12. When she sells her idea to Jacob, Jacob says, 11, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will fill me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. 
And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother. Upon me. I mean, our desperation to bring God's word and promises to pass in our lives is so bad that even if the prophecy turns to a curse, we will do it. That's how manipulative women can be. And how driven we can be. So the child says, no, mommy. If that happens, it will become a curse. And daddy will think I'm a deceiver. No, mommy said, upon me be thy curse. And the Bible says after that, she has to arrange. Okay, you have to run away to my uncle. He said, go. When there's peace, then you come back. But by the time Jacob was, she never saw her children again. By the time Jacob was coming back, she was dead. Because we like man power. The Bible says God rested from his works. But you, you are not resting. You are using your energy. You are, you are creating things with your own flesh, your own power, your own zeal. Say, this must be this. No, my child must turn out this way. No, my husband must be this way. No, my family must be this way. No, the ministry must be this way. Where is God in all of it? You are in charge. So, But I received a prophecy. And because of that prophecy, now you are not normal anymore. <laughs> when will it come to pass? Yeah, he said he had seen somebody. Lady when will it? And that is why we even go to places we should not go. And that is why we are bathed when we should not be bathed. And all sorts of things happen to women because we have received a word. And then now we have to bring it to pass. When the Bible says it came to pass, your own is through you. It comes to pass. And that brings us a lot of problems. And we are not able to enter into his rest. But what does the Bible say? In Psalm 37, verse 4, commit your way unto him. Trust also in him. And he, not you, shall bring it to pass. How come you are the one bringing it to pass? Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. You, you know your own plans. So you have changed the verse. I know the plans I have for myself. Plans of prosperity and not of disaster. To bring myself to the expected end. Your efforts can never be enough. Like Rebecca, you didn't know what was happening in your womb. It's God who gave you an insight. And said, two nations. The elder shall serve. He didn't say he needed your help. He never said that. And that is why we are not able to enter into his rest. The Lord is calling us to his Shabbat. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some things have become chronic, and you are still fighting with it. When diseases are chronic, we don't still fight with it, we manage. And some of us in our marriages and our relationships, it's time to buy Ventolin and it's time to buy an inhaler because it's asthma and it has to be managed, not killed. Amen, somebody? Manage! It may not be perfect, it may not be the way you want, but God will give you wisdom and grace to manage it. Amen, somebody. But you can't say, okay, I don't want to manage. I just want what I want. I want to see this, that, that. And it leads us to places that are not good. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. What the Lord has said, it will come to pass, but not through you. Not through you. Can't you see that a lot of things that happened in your life, you didn't have a hand in? Can't you see that a lot of places God has brought you to, it's not because you had a master plan, but... Step by step, the steps of a good man, not the leaps, are ordered of the Lord. Hmm. The steps, but when he takes one step, then you say, oh, God is taking too long, let me leap. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 13. I'm dialing your numbers. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Amen. Amen. The reason why we are not entering into his rest is that we have a lot of 
expectations and hopes, not necessarily of him. And then we allow them to lead us. So they are always deferred. You see, the expectation doesn't come to pass. And then you are always still expecting. You see, for instance, in a relationship, when you were going to enter into a relationship, you thought that love does not suffer because you didn't read it in Mills and Boone that love suffers. <laughs> but God will always tell you the truth, that love suffers. And not only does it suffer, it suffers long. You didn't bargain for that. And when you came and stood at the altar and said, for better, for worse, you thought that as for you and this CC that you have found, it will be for better, for better. But for better, for worse, it's not part of your, your, your vocabulary. You know, so we have, how do I say it? We have unrealistic expectations. And they are from the world. You see, I always say, you, you watch the movie and you saw the man coming to see the girl off at a train station. And when you saw the man seeing the girl off, it was raining. And it was cloudy on the window pane. And then the girl drew a heart. And then the man said, Then the whistle of the train blew. And then the man started to run along the platform. And the movie did slow motion. And it's like, oh. Brenda! I said, yes, that's the kind of love. Which train station is your beloved going to meet you in? Is it the one on Graphic Road? Unexpected unrealistic expectations because hope deferred makes the heart sick. Bible says and they comparing themselves with themselves are not wise. You see somebody say, oh I wish my husband were like this. You see? Hope deferred. Hope deferred. It makes the heart sick. So sometimes you see they have groomed, been through things before they have reached where they are reaching. By you, you didn't know that love suffers. Read the Bible. Look, read 1 Corinthians 30. It will show you what love is about. So when you are crazy, I never knew he could do that. Love suffers. And it suffers long. You know, I was telling some people on Saturday, you say, oh, I, I want my husband to take me to the beach. And then I'll be in my bikini, he'll be in his trunks, and we'll just, you know. <laughs> Which of the beaches in Ghana? Is it Kolegono? Is it Kolegono? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so we are not able to enter God's rest because our hopes are deferred. And the things you are expecting are not normal. And some of the things you are expecting, they will come, but not now. It takes time. You sow a seed, it takes time for harvest time to come. But because your hope is always deferred, oh, he, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. And when God said this, why has it not come to pass? And when God said that, why has it not? Hey, hope deferred. So your heart is sick. And you can't enter his rest. Because as soon as, you see, it's like the carrot and the donkey. As soon as you are trying to get nearer, then the hope is moving. Then you're also f following the hope. And, you, and so sometimes, even what you should celebrate in your home, in your life, in your work with God, you are not able. Because you're always looking at what you don't have. Instead of looking at what you have. One lady came to me for counseling recently. I said, write for me 10 things you like about your husband. Lady, I can't find any. I said, I know your husband. Although I'm not married to him, I can write certain things about you. So really? Anyway. I said, okay, so go, come back tomorrow. The next morning she called me and said, I still haven't found. I said, it's not true. Then we started to list for her. Your husband is kind. Your husband looks after the children. Your husband comes home. Your husband, what else? What else? But you are looking at all that you don't have. You see, I know a lady in my church, her husband always perpetually spits into the kitchen sink. Perpetually. 
We are saying, hey, yes, but what can she do? She has spoken about it. She has told him she doesn't like that. She, but you see, what you forget is that he was doing that in his mother's house before he met you. And perhaps the mother was not able to change him. How come you, you just came? And you think it's so easy to change him. And she said even what makes it painful is that her children started to do it. And when she said, stop it, he said, but daddy does it. But that, so I said, you know, you may have to buy a double single and write his name on one so that he does his business in one because you can't cope. It is not everything in your marriage that will be perfect. And there will be things that you don't like. But you forget that there are also things about you that we don't like. And because we don't complain, you feel you are okay. But it's just that we are not used to complaining. I mean, your spouse. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Love suffers long. But you have expectations. It's good to have expectations. But not expectations that become like God. And therefore they become like our idols. They, they control us. And they determine what we do and what we don't do. In that case, that thing has become an idol. And no longer a word from God. Anything that controls, the book of Romans says in chapter 6, that the things that you yield your instruments to, you are servants of that. Amen. So the things that we yield ourselves to, we are servants of that. But if we want to enter God's rest, we need to work around our expectations. And come to realistic expectations. Hey, Reverend, what you are saying? Is this scripture? Pa. The scripture of power. It happened to the Apostle Paul. He had a plan. He wanted things to be a certain way, but it didn't work that way. First Thessalonians 3, verse 1. First Thessalonians 3. It's not in the Old Testament, please. Some of us, we know everything, but we don't know the books of the Bible. When the devil comes knocking on your door, it's not how high your platform heels are. It is the word of God. It is written. It is the word that doesn't change. Even your weave on, it changes. But the word of God, it never changes. So we should build our lives on things that matter and things that last. Amen, ladies. Hmm. Okay, let's read the preceding chapter from... Uh, Verse 18. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. For what? Satan hindered us, okay. And then chapter 3, verse 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Amen. And then verse 6, But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, we were comforted in all our afflictions. Paul was saying that we wanted to come personally to see you, but Satan hindered us. That is Apostle Paul. So he had his plan. He had his desire. He had his way of what he wanted to do with the, Thessalon the, the brethren from Thessalonica. But when he saw that it wasn't working, he lowered his expectation. He said, okay, we will remain in Athens alone. But we will send Timothy to you. And when we sent Timothy in terms of lowering our expectation, he came back with good news. And we are comforted in you. Some of us don't enter the rest because our dreams are cast in iron. <laughs> Nothing can change it. Oh, yigi, yigi, rock of ages. Sometimes we don't even get married because our image of the person we want is cast in iron. A good person comes your way. Many times I see them even in the church. One sister told me, Lady Reverend, 
I don't like him. I said, why? His head is like a tin cutter. <laughs> I said, what does headship have to do with marriage? So Lady Reverend, no. It's sharp. It's sharp. At the edge, it's sharp. It's a true story. And she said to me, oh, I listened to your message in South Africa and you were preaching about me. I said, fully, I preach life stories and real stories. And as the years went by, she kept meeting different people. She said, this one, he picks his nose. I said, I said, look, a man can be cultured. I mean, you can culture, you can raise him up, you can polish him. What you see was not like that at the beginning. But she wouldn't listen to that. Because... Your mind is cast in iron. But Paul said, I, Apostle Paul, I wanted to go to Thessalonica. But Satan hindered me. When I saw that Satan had hindered me, I lowered my expectations. I chose another route, and the results were good. Amen. And the results were good. So we don't enter into God's rest because our dreams are cast in iron. Our expectations are cast in iron. Our, our, our perspective is cast in iron. And we don't alter it. In any way. They that have entered into his rest have ceased from their own ways. It is very difficult when you are going through something to be at rest. And that's why the Bible says, let us labor to enter into that rest. It just doesn't just come. It's something that you labor to enter into God's rest. And sometimes we have to preach to ourselves. The Bible says about the woman with the issue of blood. She said to herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be healed. Sometimes you have to put your name and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Ask your soul, oh, mommy, why is my soul cast down? Hope thou in God. David preached to himself. He said, oh my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. You labor to enter. It doesn't just fall because the adversaries are many. The Bible says the adversaries are many. Of course, they that are with us are more than they that are against us, but they are still many. And so if we are to enter that rest, we need a laboring. It's almost like giving birth to something and what it takes. Some of you, you have to chew on ice. Some of you, you have to shout and do all sorts of, to labor, to enter into that rest. Amen. Amen. You have to create the right atmosphere for yourself. Sometimes it's late. You can't reach anybody. Doom so. People don't have battery life on their phones. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You need to know how to call on God for yourself. For yourself. We don't come to church just to be happy, get things, get married, get breakthroughs. We come to church so that we will fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Amen, ladies. And you see, when the Bible says God rested from his work, the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So one of the ways of entering into God's rest is also when you are not doing anything, any work of your own, you begin to do God's work. <laughs> one of the things that has brought great healing, fulfillment, and what? Joy in my life is giving of my life for others. That is also a way in which you enter. Because when he gave the Sabbath, he said, keep it for just me. So yes, you've entered the rest, but it's just for him. The virtuous woman. Her husband is mentioned only three times. The heart of her husband trusts in her. He shall not be in need of spoil. And then he's known at the gates. And then he, he praises her and says, many daughters have done virtue. The rest is herself. She seeks wool and flax. She works willingly with her hands. She goes to the merchant ships. She makes sashes. She, her candle does not go out. That is why she is a fulfilled woman. But if you don't have anything to do, 
Idleness will rob you of rest. And when you are idle, sometimes idleness doesn't mean you are not doing anything, but you are doing unproductive things. From gossiping to rewinding the same problem. So that now when we see you, we are so tired of your problem, we want to run away. It's not that we don't care, but you have said it so much, it's a broken record. (laughs) But if you are to enter his rest on the Sabbath and keep it holy and hallowed unto him, you shift your gears. You shift your focus. You shift what really matters. You will be surprised what joy will come into your life. You will be surprised about so many things that don't matter. As the older ladies who have been married, they have come to discover that a lot of things didn't matter and that they could cope with more than they thought. Amen. To do God's work and to find something to do in his vineyard is therapy for you. It's a way of making you enter his rest. You see, in, um, in medicine, when people want to give birth, you know, the hospital, the lighthouse hospital is also a fertility center. So sometimes I've had to, like, counsel the people before they will go in to the hospital. I don't work in the hospital, but in the pastoral care. And one of the things the doctors keep saying, when you are anxious, when you are worried, even ovulation doesn't happen. When there's restless, it doesn't happen. And one couple who had been married for like 14 years, and we were believing God, believing God, and then my husband said to the lady, why don't you adopt a child? Because it will take your mind off. Because as you get occupied with mothering, doing this, it may release your body because it will be in a state of rest. And it will just... 15 years going on, she was pregnant and she didn't even know. And she has had a baby boy. And when she adopted the girl, I asked her, so are you thinking, because she had done IVF like seven times, so are you thinking of doing IVF? It doesn't even occur to me. Why didn't it occur to her? Because she had shifted gears. Now she was caring for somebody else. She was caring, Jesus said, I was a stranger and you took me in. She was caring for something else and that took her mind off. And I believe the body went into the right mode. It's the same with our work with God. When we are restless, agitated, whatever, nothing comes. But when we rest and we shift our gears to the right activities, other things are added unto us. It's my prayer that you will stop haggling with the dead. And you will look at the vital signs and see that they are no longer there. And you will leave the dead to bury their dead, Jesus said. And you will bury your dead out of your sight. You are the only one who knows what your dead situation is. It is my prayer that you will recognize your no longers. And like Moses' mother, you come to that place where you will no longer, you say, I can no longer do this. I can no longer hide the baby. I can no longer help. I've reached the end of my rope. But that's where he steps in. Amen. It is my prayer that with the afflictions and the trials and all that, you will know that even though the afflictions are many, the Lord delivers us out of them all. It is my prayer that your hopes will not be unrealistic because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that like Paul, you have a higher wisdom to know how to modify some of your expectations and still live with whatever God has given you and where he has placed you. And above all, I pray that you will shift gears and come to that place where you will seek first his kingdom. I tell you, all other things shall be added unto you. Stand to your feet. When the oceans rise and thunder, oh, I will soar with you above the Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still, know you are God. Oh, I will be still, know you are God. Where the 
every head bowed, every eye closed. in our lives. Lift up your hands and say, I will be still. Hide me. Hide me now. You're here tonight. You want to say, Lady Reverend, I just want the spirit of rest to come upon me. The Bible says, in quietness and in confidence shall your strength be. So we think in doing, but in quietness and in confidence. Some storms are raging. Your whole view is skewed on the storms. But tonight, you want to say, Lord, may I find rest in you. Just lift up your hands and I'll pray with you wherever you are standing before I take my seats. Father, behold the hands that are lifted up to heaven. Lord, your hands are not short that you cannot save, nor your ears blocked that you cannot hear. I lift up your people before you to the throne of grace. We are coming there to find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. I pray for your touch. I pray for your touch. I pray for your rest to come upon your people. I pray for your presence to come and give them rest on every side. I speak to agitations. I speak to floods. I speak to things that are not of you. I abate the flood. I abate the flood. For your word says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of God will raise a standard. Tonight, Spirit of God, rise up and raise a standard against the works of the enemy. Deliver us from deception. Deliver us from things that lead us away from you and bring us into all your will. Let there be a blessing upon your people with no sorrow added. Let there be a new beginning. Let tears be wiped. Let broken hearts be healed. For only you can do that. Jesus, thank you for the testimonies that we shall hear. And thank you for the work that you have begun to do. In Jesus' name. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kanishi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.